Hey, welcome to Answer the Call. I'm Kelsey Kemp. I'm a career coach specialized in helping Christians discern their callings and actually land a job or start a business that allows you to fulfill it. In this season, by the way, welcome to season five. This is so cool. So you're going to hear me address the 10 biggest questions we have about our callings week by week. We'll be covering questions like, can you miss your calling? Does physical, material, or secular work really matter to God? Is it selfish to want to be fulfilled by work? Oh, what about this one? So wasn't work cursed with the fall of man? And is it therefore unreasonable to expect that work could be a purposeful, glorious gift? What about our true callings only for the special few? And so much more, including, oh, just one more kicker. So what about people that are oppressed and have little to no choice in their careers? Are you telling me that they have a calling? This is actually just a small sampling of the big audacious questions that we're facing throughout this series. And this season is, as you'll probably be able to tell, I hope, the amalgamation of years of research and study and conversations I've sought out to get to this point where we could come together on some of the most daunting theological questions that often go unanswered and either consciously or at least subconsciously really hold us back from the blessing and the purpose of work that God intended actually to build his kingdom here on earth with a vision and life. So anyway, <laughs> I get all caught up in this. So in these episodes, I want to say, actually, you're going to hear me mention a PDF guidebook that is designed to accompany this series of 10 audio lessons. So it's a 27 page download with all the scriptural references and additional detail and examples to answer each of these questions for you that you'll hear me addressing in these episodes. So you could get this as well as instant access to all 10 episodes so you don't have to wait for them to come out week by week bundled for you as a little e-course how cool <laughs> at kelseykemp.com slash module one where it's like your little personal library all in one place and you could even share it with friends i really believe that this is something to be spread so you might be asking why module one why is it kelseykemp.com slash module one <laughs> that url one more time it's because this series was actually created for the members of the Calling Academy, which is my signature course helping you clarify your unique purpose and find the job or the business idea that God is calling you into to fulfill it. And this series was created to help the members align their beliefs with God's beliefs about work before they dove into the practical steps of discerning what they were called to do. And we are actually wrapping up this current co cohort in the next few weeks, but you could get on the list to be able to enroll when the doors reopen at the end of September or early October and get on the wait list at thecallingacademy.com. Uh, also, if you just go to my homepage, kelseycamp.com, everything's linked there. So, hey, as you listen, last thing before we dive in, I'm going to ask that if and when a friend comes to mind who you know would be encouraged by this episode, please send it to them. So if you're anything like me, I really found this stuff to be radically encouraging and honestly so freeing and tangibly influential in my career. And so I'll remind you again at the end of the episode, but just for now, be thinking about a friend or a small group or your small group from church um, that you might want to send this to as you enjoy the episode. All right, now let's dive into today's question. All 
right, another very juicy question coming up for you. So are true callings only for the special few while the rest of us just have to do normal mundane work? Like in essence, this really speaks to the um, whole title question of do each of us really have a unique calling? Is that actually a thing or is that urban legend? So maybe some of us have the cool movie worthy um, dramatic story that's all inspirational and but like okay let's get real a lot of us a lot of us have to be um kind of doing physical or uh manufacturing labor or whatever so how does all that work out kelsey so i want to say if you limit uh like your definition of receiving a calling or having a calling to having a burning bush moment involving such a grand scope as leading the Israelites out of slavery or Dr. Martin Luther King leading the civil rights movement, then yeah, I mean, if we're defining a calling by that, then we sure as heck don't all have special callings. But here's the deal. A calling is most definitely not defined by those things that often, um, comprise our cultural definition of a calling. So a calling is biblically not defined by always audibly hearing God's voice with highly instru- highly specific instructions, like the writing on the wall, so to say, that we all really crave. Like, God, can you just give me specific instructions? And it's also not defined or confined to the definition of receiving a mission that causes you to measurably impact a very large number of people, or it's definitely not defined by the amount of social acceptance you get from it, um, or like society telling you that your calling, your career, or your ambitions are praiseworthy or helpful. Uh, I feel like a lot of this is summed up by like, we over glorify, quote, full-time or ministry per se, like within the walls of a church or nonprofit work or something that would be on a PNG commercial or whatever. Um, but don't you remember Noah? I'm pretty sure everyone thought he was straight up stupid, like did not approve of that very specific calling whatsoever. But instead, let me talk about what a calling is defined by. And honestly, let me just first say on an overarching level, a calling is really just a knowledge that you are made in a specific way, made for a specific time, um, and to make decisions aligned with that, um, which God has for a very specific, or has for a purpose, I'll say, um, some of which we might think is super clear or confirmed, and some of which it might feel like a lot of just deciding, honestly, but it's all in line with faithful and wise decision-making based on an assessment of what you have been given and who you are. Um, and yes, creative and personal choice as well. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a purpose or God is not calling you to things because a calling also is really not just like this one-time event in your life. A, a calling is actually just a a an event that hopefully happens on a very regular basis where you are uh, deepening uh, your relationship with your creator and listening to the Holy Spirit and being guided on a multitude of things. Like, are you praying for discernment in your dating situations? Are you praying for discernment 
on what city you're meant to live in. Um, God can absolutely call you to a, a specific outcome in those things. And sure, that's a calling. (laughs) Um, so anyway, instead, like, instead of what I mentioned before, your calling is really defined by what I've started to sum up. So the fact that God has indeed very intentionally placed you in a specific time and place in history and even marked out your lands, as it says in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 7, for the purpose actually first so that you may know him, though it says he is not far off. I find that just such a precious piece of passage to just be validated in how intentionally God has marked out my time in my lands and where I would be in this point of history so that I may know him though he is not far off so I could respond to that that first calling to come to faith in him to have a saving relationship with God through Jesus through faith alone and grace alone and also once we are restored to that relationship and knowing who we are from whom we came, um, then we could go back to our first like fullness, fullness in our calling that we're meant to carry out, which is in Genesis one uh, verses twenty six through twenty eight, where God says, "Rule and uh, rule and subdue the earth, fill and subdue the earth." There we go. Uh, rule over all of it. Uh, and so that is carrying out the work that he started through the model that he gave us, which is a work of being creative, creating, like continuing to create things, but then also cultivating the potential from the raw materials he gave us, as well as caring for that creation. Because we see also in Genesis, it says, uh, I will um, put you over the fields to care for them and tend for creation. And know that also your calling is defined by the fact So we know, okay, we're starting to get a couple elements coming into focus of the intentionality as to how God designed you, but why? So listen intently because um, this all forms together the picture. So why? (laughs) He calls you, well, this is more of like another pillar fact, to know that he calls you his masterpiece created for good works that he planned to do for you and he planned for you to do in advance so this is in ephesians um, chapter 2 verse 10 for we are god's masterpiece or as i've heard someone say it that i thought was so beautiful it's like we are a piece of the master which as the imago dei made in the image of god that is quite true that's so amazing so um and i also just love conceptually thinking about like wow he actually can create us as one of a kind um you know, I don't have a scriptural reference for you to say like, each of us are just 100% unique. I mean, I'm kind of sure that we are just because I know that God can do that. Like he can make us so infinitely varietal and diverse because he has so much of his image and so many facets, infinite facets to himself that he can make, make each of us a specific testament to him and who he is and what his image is. And I love that we might each, just thinking about the concept that each of us might be an ambassador to allow others to see our God in a very specific way. 
And oh, that is so cool. But anyway, yeah, we are God's masterpiece and he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That is so amazing. And also we know another pillar of fact is that you are created to live out a very particular part of the body of Christ so that you could add to the thriving of the whole system of creation that you were placed in serving both. I mean, what that actually means, a lot of us think, okay, body of Christ, we only imagine that within the walls of a church doing that like whole full-time ministry thing. When in reality, all of life is designed to be a ministry of some kind, whether or not that takes place inside or outside the walls of a church uh, to actually do the ministry of work of restoring the earth and upholding it and making it more beautiful and redeeming it alongside Christ because we are um, meant to be not only made in God's image, God's the Father's image, but also Christ's image, uh, not only as creators, but Uh, and rulers and whatnot, but also redeemers. Like we are co-heirs, co-laborers with Christ, it says in the New Testament, that we would carry our cross with him to also in sacrificial love, um, do the hard work to also redeem. And so you are called to live out your particular part of the body of Christ, not judging what part you are, but to do that, to restore the earth and build the Christian community, build the glory of the Lord, build the kingdom, uh, restoring the earth spiritually and physically and materially. Um, Because like, okay, we see that some of the lists of the spiritual gifts in the New Testament are um, like pastoral, shepherding. And that sounds very in line with our cultural definition of a calling. But then what about hospitality? Like that doesn't even just include having people into your home and knowing how to throw a good party and make good food. But that also includes, oh my gosh, an infinite number of things. I have sat down with so many clients over the years. And for the ones that say, I really feel like I have a spiritual gift of hospitality. It means something different to every single person, which I really, I encourage you to... Um, there are several places, uh, one in Ephesians and one in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, that talk about spiritual gifts. I really am commissioning you to go meditate on those passages over and over again, because it talks about how we are given a diversity of expressions of those gifts. It is not just one thing or nine things or 15 things. It's not like, oh, like it drives me nuts. We are not just nine Enneagram types roaming around on this planet. We are the Imago Dei from like an infinite God that we are all like diverse and unique. And I know some Enneagram people would be like, oh, she sounds like a type four. And I'm just like, "Mm, okay, get off my back. It's true. But anyway, so, (laughs) but like you are made to live out your part of the body and with your spiritual gifts in a very unique expression. And so that, that is just so incredible. So then also your calling is also has a quality of being called to multiply. So take assessment of what you've been given. And there are so many passages, I'll talk about a couple of them in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, where we are called to not just um, like do okay with who we are and like just do kind of um, sustaining work or squander essentially who you are, what 
what godly desires have been put in you, what abilities you've been given to carry out those godly desires. You're not meant to just make do with them, but you're meant to multiply, expand, and really be quite industrious with these things, which I think is so amazing. So just like the kind of worldly or um, material principle that we have, we see in our, um, yeah, like it's a financial principle that if you put keep your money in a savings account, you will actually lose money due to inflation. You will lose on that money instead of investing it so it could not only grow at the speed of inflation, but also more so than that. So we see in the parable of the sower that the seed that falls on good soil grows um, grows with a, let me see, it says a harvest that is even 30, 60, or even 100 times greater than what was sown that is incredible. And so there's this like good seed grows and multiplies. And also in Matthew chapter 13, verse 12, uh, this is kind of, um, actually I'm going to, this is mentioned a few times in all, all gospels, except for John. Um, but it's a really prevalent theme and it's called the Matthew effect because it was kind of started there. But anyway, um, it's this, uh, principle of exponential returns. So consider carefully, I'm reading from Mark chapter four, verses 24 and 25. Consider carefully what you hear, Jesus continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them which is just crazy. And then there's also other passages, like I believe it's the Matthew 13 verse 12 that talks about um, those who have understanding will be given more, but those who uh, just, those who have little, it will be taken away. And so it says, pay attention carefully to what you hear. Because if you lean into this and you follow the Lord, exponential returns are actually just expected. Um, and so keep on sowing faithfully, knowing that that will come. Um, but anyway, I believe that the process of discerning a calling, I I mean, let me just summarize all of that to say that you, it really, your calling is to take assessment of who you are, what you have, what you've been, um, given to steward over and do well with that. Make wise and faithful decisions to not only do okay for yourself, kick up, like have a pretty good life, but to multiply it for the glory of God and the good of others, expanding his kingdom. I think that it, like it's that fill and subdue the earth principle that we're called to in the first chapter of Genesis that we're meant to pay attention to. And I believe that the process of discerning a calling is not, as I first mentioned, that kind of um, societal expectation that those who have a calling, um, you really only do if it's paired with some insane story about um, it literally being like the writing on the wall or you received all these wild signs, which really might come to some, but it's not um, not for everyone. And that doesn't mean God isn't good. And that doesn't mean that you're not called to a specific purpose. Your journey just might be more, um, it might feel more like personal choice, but we don't know the mysteries of the Lord. Despite uh, personal choice, entrepreneurial thinking, making wise decisions and really working out what it is to make a wise decision despite ambiguity, all along, 
when we get to heaven, we might be like, oh, that was the same like specificity of purpose that I was led to. And God really did have a specific calling for me that ended up working out just like the person who got super explicit instructions and was extremely clear. And it was just so detailed and God gave them the whole map. We actually see that happening very, very little in the Bible, even with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. It's God didn't say go to Canaan. He didn't say that. He said, go to a land that I will show you. Go to a land that I will show you. The promised land was, it was a similar thing with Moses. And so he had to lift his foot and decide to leave, to leave his family, to leave his prosperity and go on a journey of following God. And so therefore we really should not be surprised that, um, God in his graciousness often does not afford us very specific instructions, but that doesn't mean that you don't have um, a very treasured purpose and um, most certainly that you don't have a, a, a specific, important, and necessary part that you are meant to play in the body of Christ. So anyway, the process of discerning a calling is perhaps best summed up Um, Not as waiting around for a divine sign, but actually taking a diligent and thorough assessment of what God has entrusted to you in terms of abilities, passions, resources, opportunities, spheres of influence, um, or even a burdened heart to create something particular, like a particular type of beauty, thriving, healing, relieving of pain, uh, something like that. So trust that the spirit who dwells in you will help reveal that specific part you're meant to play. Because it's not actually wishful thinking that will get there, get you there. It's actually a complete and certain promise from the Lord that Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And I think that when we read that, many people that I've observed in my life and many clients and many friends that I talk to that kind of choose to just spin out and say, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. God's not making it clear. I keep on asking him to um, show me what his will is. I think that we're first focusing on that, that first part of the sentence, which is ask and it will be given to you. And you are asking for a sign, a direct word, explicit instructions that Um, show to you, you have no fear of failure, no risk to be taken, which actually there's not much biblical precedent for that because God calls us to be people of great faith. And we do that through stretching ourselves quite a bit often. So he does not assure you against a feeling of risk or having to give things up um, or feeling like you have to go out and go towards the land that he will show you, but not knowing what exactly it is. But know that in this promise of then the next part, seek and you will find, oh, that sounds like you have to get out there, get out there and also knock on some doors until you see the one that is open to you. And sometimes some people, it's also a situation of maybe you have to throw your weight into it. Okay. Maybe yours is like much striving and that's okay. God still through whatever faithful action he calls you to trust that he will fulfill that knock and see, asking you will find seeking, you know, asking it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you if i haven't mentioned it it's in matthew 7 uh, uh, chapter 7 verse 7 um but then also just remember that 
just the fulfillment of that uh, promise really requires diligence and persistence in seeking from you. But that is a good thing. And my sister, Kirsten, often reminds me, I love that she talks about this kind of image that you... All you have to do is just keep on planting seeds. I actually really recommend that you read Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Oh my gosh, it will inform your theology on this so much. But keep on being faithful. Diversify your investments of time and effort and research. It actually says that. And then um, keep on casting your seeds, casting your net wide. And the image that Kirsten brings to mind is like, you will look at a tilled field that you put seeds into and you look at that ground that on the surface you can see nothing and maybe that's for months maybe that's for months and we actually know that seeds can last even thousands of years okay <laughs> they could last that long and live you will not know the day that all of a sudden just because you didn't see all the work that was going under the ground all the work that God in his creation is orchestrating for seeds to grow into full plants and trees and huge, huge, amazing things. You will not know the day that it comes bursting forth quickly. So just trust, even though you might be looking at bare ground, the time is coming. So another point is faithfully stepping out in action. Like this is the process of discerning your calling. It's not um, like this uh, crazy divine message for everybody. So faithfully step out in action, which includes researching, seeking wise counsel, testing out ideas, knocking on doors, and all the while God using that as a gift to grow you in clarity and wisdom, which making decisions breeds more wisdom. And it makes you more into the kind of person that will be able to discern what you are called to do on a clearer and clearer basis throughout your life. So if you're earlier on in life, truly like don't be that surprised if it feels more ambiguous than ever and more drawn out than ever, because God is more interested in you becoming the kind of person that is faithful rather than the hero of the story that God, don't you need me to go out and create this invention that saves millions of people? We know, actually, I believe it's in Acts 17, that he does not need to be served by human hands. God can complete everything himself. He is much more interested in the state of your heart, which is grown into fertile soil. It is fertile ground, which um, reaps much fruit when you are tested. Do not despise discipline. Do not despise discomfort, as it says in Hebrews. And... Um, Because that discomfort, it produces hope, it produces perseverance, it produces character. I wish I could remember the exact way that verse is phrased. It's so epic. It's like um, perseverance produces character and character hope and hope will not disappoint. Remember that that is true. And also, lastly, of course, read the word and pray for his guidance. We pray, but then we also read his word because it's important to get to know God's will, not just through prayer and waiting for the writing on the wall, but through his commandments and the com- and the character that is so clearly revealed in the Bible. So you know what types of decisions would please God most for you to make. Be still and sensitive also to the Holy Spirit's nudges and guidance. Um, and revelations within you, which will happen. I, I trust it absolutely. But 
also, it's just so interesting. A lot of people are like, I don't know what's actually, I was talking with someone, um, last night, uh, this incredible girl that I love mentoring so much. And as I'm sharing this, I'm also like outing myself cause I've totally done this a million times. I was like, she was just saying like, I really, God, it doesn't talk about dating in the Bible. And I don't know what his will is. I don't know. Like, it's just so unclear. Should I stop hanging out with this guy all the while for the last hour and a half? hour and a half, she has told me in great detail of why she believes it is not good for her to spend time with this guy. Cause the Holy spirit, he is making things clear, but sometimes our like conscious mind just cracks down on it. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. And we choose the story of confusion because clarity is hard to accept. Um, and so anyway, <laughs> just trust that the Lord is guiding you despite what you feel or perceive, because like I've read in other segments of this module, Proverbs 16 verses 1 and 9, like to uh, to a man belong the plans of his heart, but God is both guiding your words and your steps. Um, and confidently remember that he is using your faithfulness from all the steps above to allow you to serve in the most meaningful, fitting, and purposeful capacity possible according to the good works and the plan he set out before you were even born like we read in Ephesians 2.10, and also according to the body of Christ, the specific part of the body of Christ, whether it's the brain, the neck, the pinky, the gallbladder, we don't know. I really hope I'm not a gallbladder. I don't know. But look at me discriminating against the parts that actually says not to do that, but only to answer the call. Uh, wow, that sounded like a plug for my podcast. <laughs> um, so I really hope that this has been helpful to you. But I want to mention, I know that this is a bit longer of an episode, but one that in episode, I, um, a segment in this module, a lesson, sure, whatever. We don't really know. But um, the last thing that I think is so appropriate to spend time on for this topic is you might be comfortable with, okay, there, like God has a place for me. He wants something um, profound for my life. Like he wants me to serve in a way that isn't just random, but it's in accordance with his design and his placement for me. But a common objection or question arises around this topic of people having unique callings or not is, well, Kelsey, what about people who are oppressed under slavery or struggling to survive in a developing country? Does God have a specific calling for them? Even if he does, do they not get a chance to pursue it? Is it just because they were born into extremely difficult circumstances? Ugh, admittedly, like, I think that we could just objectively assess that their physical options and opportunities might be far more limited than the person who is reading this PDF or listening to this um, audio portion on their laptop in an air-conditioned house or apartment. But <laughs> further, like, just remember that you might be thinking, okay, like, well, what about the, you might be thinking, actually, this is um, something that I really struggle with is um, what about a child in Africa who doesn't even get to contemplate the concept of their calling because they were born into a village in the middle of a famine that didn't receive the necessary nutrition in their first 1000 days of life. So they actually succumb to irreversible mental and physical handicaps. What about the people who are literally murdered and their life is cut short? Was that God's will? Okay. So we all know it. Truly, as we contemplate these questions, we all know it, though we would love to try to forget that the world is broken. It is so fun 
to if you happen to be in the Western world in a thriving economy. Um, I mean, whatever opinions you have about America, I think it's still pretty great. Like we are well off over here and praise God for it. And we would love to stay in that comfort cocoon that stops us from seeing the pain and going out to forsake our own comfort to go redeem other parts of the earth. And, um, and so we would love to stay in our little cocoon and forget that the world is broken. And that hurts. If you really look that in the face, that is devastating. Our sinful choices certainly do absolutely have consequences and cause pain and suffering for others. It is painful to realize that truth that somebody else's sin can at best mildly disrupt someone's life and their experience in it and whether or not they get to live out a calling in their career or their life or experience the joy of that. It, so at best, it might mildly disrupt that, but at worst, it might even end someone's life, not even just change it. But to whom, listen, we know this also, if you get to contemplate such a burden, know that to whom much is given, much is expected, as we see in Luke twelve forty eight. So each of us must actually uncomfortably and faithfully take on our brother and sister's burdens and take hold of every inch, every inch of opportunity that we are given and work diligently to complete the callings that we are given, which God will use to redeem the earth with freedom, sustenance, beauty, opportunity, wholeness, at least in part until he restores all things in the new heaven, in the new earth. And this painful reality is where we know that um, our hope is truly before us in our home country of heaven, not here, not here. But for those who do get to contemplate having such a great purpose and such opportunity, such opportunity, like even if you're like, oh gosh, there's not many jobs in COVID, you still have much opportunity compared to some areas of the world and you are called to be faithful with that, okay? So <laughs> whatever it is you're called to do, go do it to the utmost extent, not for, not for human praise, but for the Lord, as we see, like pursue everything in excellence. I think that's in Colossians. Um, but anyway, so Cling to the knowledge also that God is working all things to the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. And God is even graciously using every single thing that we intend for evil, for good, and even the saving of many lives, as it says in Genesis 50, verse 20. But realize that we are actually meant to get to the end of our lives deeply tired, deeply tired having taken on other people's burdens and our own, gosh, uh, longing more and more, using that tiredness to long more and more for Jesus to come. For uh, This was absolutely shocking to me. I always thought the goal of my life is to enjoy it more and more. And I actually do believe that, um, I believe that is grace that can be afforded to me 100%. I actually personally just enjoy going through life thinking, Every year is better than the last. Even though I have some really hard years, I continue to believe that. And I, because of that, the Lord allows me to see all the goodness that he brought forth from bad stuff, bad stuff. But anyway, so like choose to have a joyful mindset, but still it shocked me to read this passage in seven, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 
verses six through eight, where um, Paul says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord. The righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. I think this was about two years ago when I first really paid attention to that verse. And when I got to the end, I was like, okay, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And then it got to the end when he said, that crown of righteousness is afforded to all who have longed for his appearing, I thought, oh, wow. I don't think I've spent one day of my life longing for Jesus's appearing. If anything, when my grandma's like, you know, Kelsey, the Lord's going to come home soon. I'm like, gosh, I hope that's not true. I'm enjoying my life. I want to kick up, you know, only get better. I want to get to the end of my life and just be cruising, you know, retired on some beach somewhere. But Paul does acknowledge that the point of life is to live so on the edge for the Lord, which that is so deeply uncomfortable to talk about, isn't it? Deeply uncomfortable. But trusting that when you do that, you have peace that surpasses all understanding, a joy that is more expansive than the world could ever explain because these things are mysteries. And you are more rich in the Lord, maybe even materially, but you don't mind the material. You are more obsessed with the spiritual richness that is granted to you in that pursuit. And you know, the Holy Spirit allows you to just so deeply know that your crown is coming, that that is so much more appealing to look towards that than what you are trying to set up as a kingdom on earth. Though, This is the tension of the Christian life in the gray area. We actually are called to ask the Lord to make it on earth as it is in heaven. And we are called to joy. And that's not even just a mindset here. We actually are called to faithful decisions that allow for more joy to be had. Because, you know, like Jesus himself, he often cared for physical needs before the um, material and physical before the spiritual. Because a lot of spiritual suffering it's actually not spiritual. Like maybe you just need a hot meal. <laughs> maybe you didn't take a Sabbath. Maybe you haven't also command uh, followed the command to have a Jubilee feast, a resting your crops year. Um, and so all those things are good. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm going too much off on this point, but all to say, does people's sins, do people's sins impact not only impact if we get to follow our callings, but what what our callings are. Yes, I mean, obviously these things, like I'm trying to explain them with human words. The Lord is the owner of all these mysteries that I can't understand. But then just like logically think of it. Okay, it would we say that slavery was the will of the Lord? 100% not. For any of you who are like, there's slavery in the Bible, please go look up historical slavery. It actually was not more than seven years. It was to pay off debts that the person um, chose to take on. And it there are um, like social welfare for them also. It's literally a job. Um, it's by no means uh, the uh, slave labor that we have considered in the modern era. By no means. So no, that was never, ever the Lord's 
plan. That's not his will. So think of it. If perpetrators of slavery have not had, if they had followed their primary calling to believe and obey in Jesus, they would not have invented such evil. And therefore, if slavery was never practiced, many famous examples of what it looks like to live out a grand calling even Moses, like I talked about in the beginning, or uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, or William Wilberforce, who abolished slavery, the slave trade in England, all of those would be irrelevant. Uh, Those would not be examples of what it means to live out a grand calling in our culture, in our historical memory. Um, So yes, God absolutely weaves us in our unique callings in the fabric of humanity that is highly impacted Uh, by sin, which completely changes the way that we choose our work and lead our lives. And yet God is so graciously using this for good, even to the extent that he fulfills the craving he set in each of us to redeem things from death to life and to have a sense of purpose in our work. I once heard it said that the definition of joy is seeing something redeemed, seeing something redeemed, even if it is redeeming your boredom to absolute entertainment and delight as you watch a really good movie. Or joy is absolutely seeing a mother's pain end when the child finally comes after childbirth. That is joy. And that is deeply knitted in the fiber of our being. All right. (laughs) Good gracious. I hope that you enjoyed this expose on do each of us really have a Uh, a special calling or do many of us just have normal mundane work hey how was that enlightening i hope let me know if you have any follow-up questions or thoughts you could always reach out to me on instagram at kelsey underscore the called career and as promised just three quick reminders at the end of this episode don't forget to go grab the free guidebook that you heard me mention a couple times in this episode at kelseykemp.com module one That guidebook, as well as the other 10 episodes, are all waiting for you bundled in a little mini e-course all about these 10 biggest questions that we have about our calling so you can finally feel free and clear and ready to go out and follow your calling for the glory of God and the good of others. So go get that free guidebook too. Don't forget to send this to a friend that you may have thought of or your small group at church or whoever you really think would be very encouraged and enriched by this episode. Three, of course, I always appreciate your support so much through a review. Makes a huge difference, as you've heard, rumor has spread. (laughs) It actually makes a big difference on podcasts if you leave just a couple, doesn't have to be fancy, words in a written review and hit the stars for a rating. I would appreciate that so much. And lastly, it's not a reminder, it's actually a little announcement that's kind of cool. So it is that I created a fun new page on my website kelseykemp.com slash free. And that is where I'm housing all the free stuff that I've created for you, resources for your career, for the discernment of your calling, job search tips, a lot of stuff like that, all housed at kelseykemp.com slash free. So you could just get them in any other free resources I have happened to mention over the long history of this podcast over there at kelseykemp.com slash free. And if I do say so myself, it's a pretty cute webpage. So go check 
check that out. Um, the other announcement I have for you is that the Calling Academy, which I mentioned up at the front of this episode in the intro, is opening back up for enrollment and you could get on the wait list at kelseykemp.com TCA or thecallingacademy.com, whichever is easier to remember. Both URLs will take you to the same place. Uh, so, all right. I really hope this encouraged you. I'll talk to you next week when the next episode in season five comes out on Tuesday.